When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel LaRue, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is the Southwest Division Capsule, so what that means is, for those of you who've listened before, is it is an off-season in review and a regular season preview. The guests for the Southwest are Seth Partnow of Nylon Calculus and Jonathan Sharks of Real GM. We talk about what teams did well in the offseason, what teams didn't do well, and talk about the upcoming season. And if you know those guys at all, you know, we go on a couple of, of fun, worthwhile tangents. So I think you'll enjoy it. Conversation runs about an hour ten. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. I, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to do this one because the Southwest is just, it's a division that a lot has happened with. And I used to start with Seth. The first question that I've been doing these with, and it's, it's fun with this division, is who do you think got better and who do you think got worse? I, I kind of think this division is easier in that everyone got better except for Dallas. And some of the most of the teams that got better was mostly projected being better because they'll be at least to start the season somewhat healthy. And, you know, if San Antonio got better. We will talk about that I'm plenty, I'm sure. But excuse me, New Orleans, Houston, OKC, so much of, of uh, it's it's, you know, there's kind of a, a common joke in European soccer when a guy who's been out for a while, he comes back. It's like a whole new signing. And, you know, with Dwight Howard being back to full strength, New Orleans, supposedly, you know, Holiday and, and whoever else being at full strength. Yeah. yeah. But Memphis got better. Let's talk about that, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so, like, yeah, Memphis is, Memphis is talent-wise, they definitely got better because Brandon Wright's a nice addition to that team. I think that he, he helps a lot of, of what ails them, especially considering they lost Costa Cufos. But they're big flaw to me was still perimeter shooting and, you know, creation other than Mike Conley, and that is still a weakness for them. 
Yeah, what I wonder with Memphis also is like you're watching Zebo and Tony Allen's kind of career range. They're getting worse every year. So I wonder really if they've gotten better or if they just stayed even because those guys kind of decline back as they get later move in their 30s. And also with Wright, like I watched Wright a ton in Dallas. He was amazing here. But he's got to be in that system where he's where it's four out, he's rolling to the rim, he's catching oops. When he has to play like in a two-post kind of less spaced out system, he's still a decent player, but I'm not sure really he's that much of a difference maker in a system like that. But I think in Phoenix last year, he played a lot of four-man with Alex Lynn. I don't think it worked very well at all. You know, but with Memphis, you got to figure that, that he's going to be spending a lot of time on the floor with Marc Gasol and, you know, bring Gasol to the high post, to the elbow, and it's maybe going to work a little bit differently than, you know, a straight spread pick and roll, but that's still going to be kind of keeping the, the, you know, raising everyone else up the floor and keeping the baseline clear for him, and Gasol's obviously a wonderful passer. So um, that may take some adjustment, but I think it, it is going to present a lot of the same opportunities for him in terms of, space around the basket to, to cut into and finish. I mean, for sure, but he's still not Dirk. Like, when Wright was at his best with Dirk, Dirk's the three-point line, an extra five feet of space, and Wright was just destroyer of worlds. What was, like, 75% shooting or something crazy like that? Like, he'll still be good for them, but I'm not sure he's better than Costa Kufus, to be honest. I thought Kufus did better with their system. He's bigger, much better defender, obviously. This goes back maybe a little bit more to two years ago in the first round of the playoffs. They did they did a thing where they kind of went four out with uh, they went very kind of Princeton style with running everything through Gasol kind of at the high post and Wright maybe allows them to to do um, some more of that without maybe sacrificing as much defensively. And so while he doesn't necessarily fit in with their quote unquote system. He maybe gives them flexibility to play in a slightly different way, which I think allowing for the fact that there's still a deficit of shooting, barring some unforeseen developments from, from you know, Jordan Adams or something like that. It still it gives them another another kind of wrinkle to go to instead of, well, our team's on the floor kind of thing. And also yeah, they, got, sure. they got Matt Barnes, which I think is he's not going to be the end all be all, but I think that he makes them deeper in a way that is very useful for them and. I, he 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 builds kind of off of what they already do, but I they also got him for nothing, which is great. But I feel like with Barnes, it's kind of like with Allen. I'm waiting for him to really fall off now. I feel like he's any day he's just going to start falling off the cliff at his age with his true. game. But he's cheap, and yeah, what Memphis is going in order to if if their goal is to be relevant, I think they've succeeded. If their goal is to win a title, that's going to be hard. But. In, in the West right now, I think that being where they are is pretty admirable, especially considering they're a smaller market and, you know, retaining Gasol, considering he could have gone wherever. Granted, the options weren't that great, especially if San Antonio wasn't calling because they were busy on the phone with LaMarcus Aldridge. But they, I, I think that what they have done is, is nice. I, I think to a point, if you're, you know, in those kind of markets, that's an, a, a level of success that I think other teams should aspire to. Like if Utah could end up, you know, spend the second half of this decade, like Memphis spent the first half of it, I think they'd be pretty thrilled. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're, they're a really good team. They got a good identity. I guess the question is how many years does Zebo have left and what's the plan going forward with him and moving off him, I guess, maybe one, two years down the line. And I think that some of that is is right allows for to take up some of that that slack. Obviously, not the not the 
not in the same way, but uh, but in a way that's do similar things in a more almost modern way. And you know, you raise a good point that them being so counter cyclical almost in the way they play is in some ways an advantage for them. And and so if they're maybe moving back towards the norm, then they're just a worst version of the norm as opposed to a good version of something different, which gives them certain advantages. That is interesting when you put it like that. I guess one thing with them is I feel like it was really last year when San Antonio wasn't there, Oklahoma City wasn't there. I felt like when they were up 2-1 in Golden State, that was really the chance for them to go all in. That was their one kind of like, the cards bounced right that series. Maybe that was the year. It wasn't going to be that year that I wonder what was going to happen for them. Well, they could have beaten Houston. I wouldn't have necessarily expected it, but they certainly could have, especially if Conley could have gotten closer to 100% because he had a couple of great games against the Warriors, and he was such an emotional lift as well. That you know, I, that would be that wouldn't have been a fun series to watch, but it would have been very at least compelling television for people like us. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That was really the year for them. Whether besides Golden State, that was the year where it was really open for them to make go all in on that push for a championship. I don't disagree with your your general point that they're you know in this division and in the West kind of the the second cut of teams that need a lot to go right to probably even make the conference finals, let alone the NBA finals. One team that I think got better in a, in a pretty notable way is Houston because. They had, you know, they're obviously they have some superlative individual talents, but I always saw their biggest weakness as the lack of having a second creator. So whether Harden was being focused on or whatever, because Patrick Beverly is a wonderful player, but that's just not his strength. And Lawson, while it might not work, certainly, he has the ability to bring something that they just didn't have before. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've actually kind of looked at this in a fair number of different ways just from from the number standpoint and you know the no player in the league used more possession shooting or playmaking than Harden did last year and that's kind of in his uh you know head-to-head matchup with Steph Curry for MVP that was maybe the the biggest thing in his favor is he simply had to do so much more um and probably too much and their offense probably or definitely relied too much on him doing things and they kind of tended to get bogged down and, and watch watch James do something and, and stuff like that. And now adding a guy who's a secondary, you know, creator, playmaker uh, that they didn't have last year because they'd let the one they had last year or two years ago, sorry, sign with Dallas. Now that they have, have that, it may not, you know, be a perfect kind of side-by-side fit, but certainly allows them to at least have one playmaker on the floor at all times and multiple as needed. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more excited for Houston, really. I feel like with Lawson, he's, what, 27 right now? I think, really, this is the year for him. Like, he's 5'11", 6 feet tall. So as he gets deeper into his 20s, he'll start losing his speed. But he's still at his peak right now. He's on the perfect team for his, his kind of game. And those two guys are going to push the tempo all season long. It should be really, really fun to watch them this year. Yeah, so he's 27 now. He'll turn 28 early in the season. And... The other part that makes it so amazing, and this isn't really from a talent perspective, but for Houston is that they got him to make his second season non-guaranteed because what that did is it, it took away the risk for Houston. So if it doesn't work out, they all they gave up in the trade was you know a couple of young pieces like Nick Johnson and a, a, a future a first-round pick, which isn't going to be that good. And if it works, you get him at a cheap price for next year because i mean people are you're gonna people are gonna see the prices that guys are gonna go for next year and they're gonna go crazy 
but and if it doesn't work, then you get out of it scot free, and it, it's it's okay, and they're going to probably have some cap space to work with. But I like I, I think their pieces fit together better now than they did before, even though. They still have. I still think that they need that just reliable shooter on the wing. They have a lot of defensive talent now there too. I kind of want to. We've talked about their guards. I kind of want to talk about their front court because their front court is just as so many interesting players. Yeah, um, it, it has a lot of interesting players, and it doesn't. Ha- I I don't see a single like killer combination among them, but there are a lot of combinations I like. Yeah, I yeah, think- for sure. I guess uh, what I'm curious for you guys is. I think going forward, would y'all take Jones or Mati Yunus on this team? Because they probably can't keep both after this season. That's and that's a. I think that a lot of that depends on on what happens with with Howard. The I don't think you can quite cl- count on Clint Capella yet. Uh, even though I know I know Danny's Danny is is kind of driving that bus, and I'm I'm right not driving to him as a starter bus. I'm driving to him eventually being good bus. Yeah, I mean I think he's good already, but you know he's, yeah he was good in the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. He's 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 good enough to contribute already, but yeah, I mean, I think the the more they're moving away from Howard and not necessarily bringing in a replacement, uh, that leans more towards Modi Yunus, I would think. Even though I think I like Terrence Jones in kind of in a vacuum a little more, he's also a guy who is more easily I don't want to say replaceable, but more fungible than Modi Yunus, who's who's a I don't want to say unique player, but a, a less common player. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Terrence Jones is a good player, but he's a good player in a way that is very common. You know, he rebounds well, he plays hard. Monty Yunus can shoot. I think, to me, I trust his jump shot more than I trust Terrence Jones. I don't know if the numbers sure. are that out. And I like his, his defense. I don't know what it is. And also, he has his post game especially if he's defended by fours i think his post game works pretty well like he just he's a little bit weird he's a little bit different and so like i think guys have trouble figuring him out that was something i noticed seeing more of him in person when the warriors played them is just he wasn't amazing but or no not not this series but during the season i think there was a moment when draymond was on him and i think draymond had trouble figuring him out and that's always a good sign when a, when a talented defender has some trouble with you and demo can play some center which i don't think terrence jones can do the the counterpoint to that is that Terrence Jones is unusual in that he's a at least kind of over the two years we've had the numbers by the numbers he's been one of the better fours in terms of rim rim protection. I mean, That's you true. Know, he's not he's not in the league of Serge Ibaka, who's kind of the you know I think uh, Amin El Hassan likes to call him a basketball unicorn in terms of like the the rim protecting stretch four. That, the, that, I call him the cheat code. Yeah, and he, he yeah. Terrence Jones isn't isn't quite there, but you know he's I, better than uh, the the vast majority of, of fours in terms of of, of that skill set. So that's you know that's you know again that's a that's a tough decision, and it's going to come down more to what else happens with the roster than than a straight pick between those two guys in a vacuum. I think. Well, I think also if Jones picked the next step as a player, it has to be with the ball in his hands, with using his ball handling ability which probably won't happen in Houston very much, whereas Monogenes can just spot up and be very valuable. Where I think Jones, if you want to see him kind of pay into his next contract, has to get more touches, has to get more shots, more drives, which probably won't happen. Like, I'm thinking with the Mavs, whoever one of those two guys, the Rockets, doesn't sign, the Mavs probably signs the next power forward, to be honest. That's my long-term plan for Dallas. Well, yeah, it's probably better than Dallas's long-term plan was this summer. <laughs> God, the Mavs will have long-term plans. They have one-month plans. 
I feel like I'm I'm treading on ground here because even though it hasn't been released yet, I, we did the Western Conference offseason grades. I did them with Nate today, and we talked a lot about the Mavericks. And I understand what happened with them, but the way that their roster is constructed for this year is such a crazy challenge for Rick Carlisle because they have four point guards who probably shouldn't play much too. Maybe you dabble with Darren a little bit. And basically all the natural swingmen they have are either rookies or were just hurt. And so I, I trust Rick Carlisle. He's a magnificent coach. I think he's one of the five best coaches in the league. But this is such a weird combination of players. Well, one thing is they really only have three point guards because Rick's not going to play Ray Felton unless someone's injured, basically. He That's proved fair. that last year pretty much. And he, he loves to play two point guards. And my guess is he'll play Devin mostly at two most of the season. And he'll just play Williams and Berea at the ones. Or I'll, I'll play Williams at the two, Berea at the one. I think we'll see that a lot. And here's what I think the Mavs, this is what I think is the Mavs' only real play right now, is if they can go four out with Williams, Matthews, Parsons, Dirk, and have Javal as the rim, rim runner, as the Brandon Wright guy. Max space, max shooting. I think that's where they're only really play this season. Take advantage of losing Rondo and Monte, spreading the floor and just chucking threes like it's no one's business. I think that's the one chance they have to be a decent team this season. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine Carlisle, Carlisle's facial expressions with uh, with with McGee is um, yeah that'll be that'll be fun to watch for sure. Dallas yeah. would Dallas would become a top notch league pass team if they ran that lineup regularly, mostly because I would want to see if Rick Carlisle would actually murder a player on the sideline during a game. I mean, you have to remember he had he got Sam Dallenberg a decent season out of him, like and with Javal like. This is it for Javal. He's not, he was out of the league last season. He knows, like, he's got a bit... Obviously, that's a, you know... We can't, like, count on Javal McGee, but he is 26-27 now. He was out of the league. He's been humbled. He's coming and wanting to prove something. They'll put him in a very limited role. They'll minimize his amount of touches with the ball. It'll be Javal run to the rim, catch oops. No dribbling, no passing, no thinking. Just... Basic instinctual basketball. That has to be the play, I think. And just hope for the best. I never would have expected this, but JaVale and Ty Lawson were born in the same year, 1988. Like, it feels like, it feel, to me, it feels like JaVale is so much younger, which is, I guess it's because Lawson's been prominent for a long time. But yeah, they're, uh, JaVale's about 11 months older. That's crazy. Huh. Well, yeah, yeah you think of the way he plays, I guess. You just kind of assume he's really. You know. <laughs> That's true. And, and also, uh, I, guess, well, I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Spurs, but like, what they did is really incredible. And, you know, that they got a talent in LaMarcus, and, you know, they kind of changed their identity to a point. And I know Mr. Partnow has some thoughts on how their defense is going to, how their defense is going to adjust, but I, I feel like it's their, their opportunity to win a title this year is really compelling. Yes, but I think that, you know, I, I, this has been hashed out by this point a fair amount of, you know, many different places, but there's a lot of things that kind of, that have to go their way for that to be true. Yeah. Um, and they're not all givens. I mean, you know, you, you given, you know, culture, Popovich, Spursiness, all that stuff, you have to, you know, you, you can't. You know, discount or rule rule out all the things happening right, but you know, I don't think the the Spurs are immune from you know age. Whether it's 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 Duncan Ginobili Parker, um, 
you know, Duncan is still putting up the same season every year for the last 18 years, but Manu and Tony Parker aren't. And um, so that's that's kind of important. Manu probably less so at this point, uh, especially with, with Leonard kind of emerging as more of a, a, a ball-in-his-hands kind of guy. But, you know, if they have to go away from Tony Parker, do you trust Patty Mills? Uh, yeah, that's my question, too. I kind of forgot this, but he averaged 11 points on 36% shooting in the playoffs. Like, what happened? Was he injured or something? Like, and that's uh, true against the Clippers. Are you talking about Tony Parker or Patty Mills? Yeah, t- Tony Parker. Like, he, he really was... fell off the map in the playoffs. I don't remember what happened exactly. Did he, but did he tweak his hamstring numbers. again? I think he, I, I seem to remember that he had an injury, but I don't know well enough to say definitively. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, they're going to need more, more than that, obviously, than 11 points a game. Yeah. That really kind of low-key killed them. And they don't, they don't have a ton of creators if Manu isn't Manu anymore, which I think we all, we all agree that he is not, is that, you know, the only other creators that they have in that kind of pure sense, like the guys that you want to initiate, they have other guys who can, you know, once the seam is created, they can do stuff. But the other initiators are Patty Mills... And Ray McCallum, who was who is obviously a long, it seems like he's a long way away. And Kyle Anderson, who is a very Slow different mo. player. I I I talked about this. I think it was with Ben Golliver that my pet theory with the Spurs, the lineup that I want to see them roll out there is. No, I'm not saying to start it or anything, but I want. I just want to see it intellectually. Is Green, Kawhi, Kyle Anderson, Duncan, and Lamarcus, just because. If that lineup Ooh, I like works, it. I like cause, it. Because Kyle Anderson, like Danny Green to me, is best guarding once. I, I like him as an on-ball defender. I like him that you just hide Kyle on whoever the worst of the other guys is. And it might fail spectacularly, but it'd be spectacular either way. Really, I want to see one more wing in that lineup, though. I want to see, like, Green, Kawhi, more speed than, like, Kyle and the Marcus or Kyle and Duncan or something. Do they have another wing? I I don't really think they do. And that's I guess like John Simmons. You know he he's an he's an interesting you know bit of athletic dynamism that they kind of picked up out of nowhere. Who knows if he's going to play it all this year? But he I looked mean, good in summer league. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, oh, of course, that's the guy the Spurs signed. Was was uh, <laughs> I think there's one one time where he he kind of came down the lane and, and dunked all over everybody, and and it's like okay, that's the guy the Spurs signed. Of course. To a guaranteed contract yesterday, because of course it is. Yeah, um. and and he was one of the guys. There were players that were that were on guaranteed contracts that didn't pop, and he was a guy that when you saw, like for me, what going. This was the first time I ever attended it in person. That you see a like one or two players every game, and be like, oh, that's an NBA player. That's what it actually looks like. And sometimes that would be guys like T.J. Warren who who shouldn't have been there, who were just there for their second year. But John Simmons was one of those players. Yeah, I don't like. I didn't watch the summer league. He really came out of nowhere. I've never even heard of this guy before. But he's six six. He's really athletic. He can shoot threes. Yeah, and he and he's energetic, which is important. Like you see, what one of the things that's always frustrated me about, let's say somebody like Gerald Green. I'm not saying he's that caliber of athlete. Maybe Gerald Green now, but a lot of times those guys, you know, they use it in bursts. But what I liked about Simmons was that even when he was playing heavier minutes in summer, which wasn't most of it. He was still playing hard, and he was, you know, trying to use his advantages and trying to get rebounds and trying to dunk on people and get threes. And that's good. If this, if he can do that for five minutes, ten minutes a game for the Spurs, that'd be fantastic for them. I, I like that. Like my pet theory is like I feel like every team should have two on their bench, two six six wings who maybe could play. 
because it becomes such a valuable part of the NBA. Like James Ennis? Like, you can't have too many wings. Yeah, just have these guys just in case, because it's yeah. always useful to have guys like that. I've, you know, I've, I've kind of thought that ever since the, the first year of the Heatles was when they were filling their bench with, like, Jawan Howard and Jerry Stackhouse. That it's like, why aren't they going and finding, like, 6'6 six, six wings who can run, jump, and maybe shoot and hope one of them works out? It seemed like that would have been so much the, the, the better way for kind of that, those particular teams to, to roll. But uh, And so I agree with you that those are like the, those are the guys that you'd like to see teams take flyers on, acknowledging the fact that there's also some value to having, you know, a, a, a calm veteran head, you know, in the 14th, 15th spot. Or, or like the Wolves, you can just have three calm veteran heads just because <laughs> yeah. just for whatever reason, you just want to have three of them. Yeah, that's funny. But I. I, it also frustrates I, me you know, that the, the Heat finally got that guy in Gerald Green after LeBron already left. Because right. why not? <laughs> um, I wanted to. I wanted to actually, since you talked about you know kind of popping at summer league, we kind of skipped over it with Dallas. Carlisle is not known for playing the young guys, but guy who you know looks like an NBA player out there. Uh, I think he, Justin Anderson was a guy who who certainly looked the part. You know, it, it's summer league, and and he's a physically very stout guy, so. That you know obviously helps in the summer league setting, but still, aside from the fact that Carlisle is not fond of the rookies, could he end up being like their second best wing by the end of the year? Is that I mean, crazy to think that that's a possibility? He's kind of gonna have to be. Like they really have nobody else who can play defense and shoot threes in that roster, so like they really need him. The Mavs don't have much of a choice in the matter, yeah, especially since they lost Richard Jefferson. <laughs> Sorry, I still have, I still have, I, I'm still amazed, honestly, that he's a little bit in league. But yeah, Anderson looked, he looked good I, in summer league, and in a way that I think can translate to production because he plays defense. Like a lot of times when you see rookies, like you can talk about Carlisle or whoever, part of the reason that they don't get in rotation is because they're clueless out there defensively, and that drives coaches crazy. I think Anderson will be better than that at the beginning, and that will make Carlisle more comfortable playing him. Plus the fact that there is no one else. Yeah, especially with Matthews coming off the Achilles, Parkinson's and the injury. Like, he'll have to play big minutes right away. They'll, they're going to need him. And I will say with Richard Jefferson, it is something else to watch that guy play for an entire season every night. He's just a guy from a distance. You watch him like five times a year. Okay, he's still a decent player. Then you watch him make the things he makes, the decisions he makes on the floor on a nightly basis. It's really something to behold. I wish I had, looking back on it, I wish I had made a list of all, like, the top 15 or top 50 Jefferson plays this season, it have been something. Is that a, a positive something or the other one? I would say more of the other one. Just like, <laughs> he just, like, the thing, sometimes he does things that make you, like, can you believe 15 seasons or something, you do this stuff, it's just crazy. Yeah, and it's, I, I always, for me, there's something that I've, I've always enjoyed of when a guy who came into the league as, like, that athletic monster has to make that adjustment in their career, and whether or not they're great, whether they stick it, like, the the other guy who is who is in this division is Vince Carter. Right? <coughs> I love it when a guy like Vince Carter can stick in the league once that part of their identity has gone away, because it's just, I, I, I don't know, there's something, there's something fulfilling about that for me, even though I never had anything close to what they have now, much less what they had then. Maybe it's time to force him out for Vince, though, based on on last year. Yeah, yeah, it very well might be. Yeah, which is yeah, too got, bad. He got that three year deal. It's like, oh man, yeah. that was a golden parachute right there. Well, it's gonna it's gonna ease the transition into being you know one of the best uh, uh, analysts, you know, color analysts in the league. 
very, very well. Because, you know, if you've heard him on commentary, he's great. He's fabulous. I can't wait. And he knows the game well, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like him a lot. Give him and Brent Barry a studio show on him, on, on, uh, NBA TV and, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, it's DVR set. Absolutely. Season pass set. Yeah, and, and give, let them do some let them do some games on the sidelines too. I I, I think they're good. Like, just like I, I like I like Weber doing both things as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on. We've talked we've talked kind of about that broad question. I mean, we've hit a lot of the other stuff, but I, I and you don't have to give an answer because we've already talked about so many things. We'll start with John. Um, are there any moves that happened this off season that stuck out to you, like that you found them interesting, positive, negative, or just fascinating? Well, I guess we've hit most of the big ones already. So I guess one we haven't talked about yet is Alvin Gentry to New Orleans. Yes. And really, I'm just curious to see how much small ball they play, how much Davis the five is going to happen. That's why we want to find out. Yeah, especially considering they gave a lot of money to Agensa. You know, like they they have center and, and Omer, of course. But and they, they bought him Perk too. Yeah, Perk. But I I think that with Gentry, it's going to be a lot about just the philosophy of like, hey, when you we have the ball, we're going to move, as opposed to the necessarily the personnel on the floor. I think he'll do that too, of course. But I actually, based on what I've seen of Anthony Davis, while I like him offensively a lot better at the five, for, at this point in his career during the regular season, I'm actually really happy with him as a four because it just there's a, reduces the pounding that he takes on a day-to-day basis because he has to carry so much of that team's load, scoring-wise, creation-wise. Just He is the alpha and the omega with that team, and some of that was because Drew was out so much of the year. But if they can have the system do some of that work, and then you have those big bruisers that are just taking some of the, taking some of the licks from the Marcus Souls of the world, I think that's good for Davis. This is going to sound like an anti-Gentry hot take, but I, I need to because this bugs me. The fact that, like, oh, they got Alvin Gentry, they're 15 wins better. Which neither of you have said, but it's, it's you know, that's that's, that's to the general sentiment out there. is like, all of a sudden, they're going to score our, you know, 120 points for 100 possession. Because Alvin Gentry, it's like, is, is he suddenly making, like, Tyreek Evans a ball mover? And has he healed, uh, you know, the various maladies of Drew Holiday and Eric Gordon and made Ryan Anderson able to stay on the floor and Omar Ashik be able to catch the ball? It's, you know, he's, I think it's, it's, you know, Monty took a lot of crap and, and probably a lot of it deserved and, and it's, it's probably an upgraded coach. And, and I think that Gentry is also getting more credit for being a, a, you know, a genius level coach. I mean, we talked about, you know, there's two, there's two legitimate genius level coaches already in this division in, in Pop and Carlisle. And, you know, for as little as we know about evaluating coaches, I don't feel like I'm going out on the limb by saying Gentry's not in that class. But he's getting a bump because he's, by every account, a, an, an incredibly nice guy and, you know, is is very good offensive mind. I, having stipulated well, all that, that, you know, it's what are you making chicken salad out of here with, with New Orleans? This is still a roster that's got some serious question marks to him and all the coaching in the world doesn't you know fix the things that i just talked about i think the thing is like people just want to see davis with like four wings like i'm looking at their roster they this team must have two or three six six cut off their bench but they only have like right now 12 on the roster which is kind of weird as we found the injuries they have with tyreek and drew and gordon they added jeff like, adrian for some reason my theory with that is that people are conflating a more watchable team with a better team and I think that, you know, they're going to be more fun to watch, but you're, you're right that they're not going to be, you know, the, the talent is 
really the same, which I actually think was one of the bigger mistakes that, that any team made this year was just that they, they brought the gang back together when Davis was what made them good. And also, Monty, like, so when you talk about that kind of an upgrade, to me that's more when you're going from a strong negative as a coach, like, I don't know, let's pick random Denver and Orlando, like what they're what those guys teams are doing and what the Lakers will do after this season, as opposed to somebody like Monty Williams, where while Monty Williams was frustrating, he pretty clearly to me was not a terrible coach in any way. So the adjustment is a lot is a lot more mellow because of that. You know, you're not going from a horrible coach to even a passable coach. You're going from somebody who did a decent job at maybe even better than decent, maybe good, to somebody who will prob- who maybe will be very good. I just want to see like let's just see them go Davis Pondexter. Gordon Holiday Evans, oh, like let's God, see stuff like that as much as possible. That's why I think that with Jen, so much Jen's Jen been a coach for a long time now. He's up and down career, just like will he run that small ball system there in Golden State? Will he run it to its max? Will he get Davis in space, Davis with wings, push the ball, and see what happens. Even more than the coach, it's like let's find some more wings. Let's get Davis in the Draymond Green role, just run the ball constantly. That's all. I mean, that's that's. That's going to be a, that's, I think it, that's what Danny said. That's a more fun game to watch, but that lineup's going to give up all the points. Every, every point they're going to give up. You know, that's, that's, they're, they're not going to be able to, and that's kind of, that, that's this kind of misshapen roster that they have kind of puts them in a situation where they have the most explicit offense defense decisions to make lineup wise at, at all times. Yeah, they, well, that's for, uh, they have so few, like they have so few guys who are really good defenders. Even like, I like Pondexter. You know, they've gotten some defensive centers, and Davis has a ton of potential on that end, which is partially unrealized at this point. And Drew is good, but they don't have like almost everybody else. You know, you have the sieves like like Tyreek and Eric Gordon, and I, and I, and also when we're talking about the idea of you know Gentry and playing up tempo, you know maybe helping some guys. Eric Gordon was really effective when he was on the court last year, and while Gentry could help him to a point, you're not you're improving off of a much higher baseline, let's say, than with somebody who is, let's say, like a great disappointment or something. I mean, he led the league in three point shooting last year, did he not? I think technically Babbitt did, but that's all a bunch of hooey. Uh, you know, uh, attempts qualified, but yeah. No, but uh, by the way, to get back to your 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 previous point, um, and I think that's the comparison I'm actually implicitly drawing is between, say, the situation in Orlando where they've upgraded more, but since the guy they brought in is not as well liked, it's, it was kind of a move that's, that people have sort of harumphed over because you know uh, uh, Alvin Gentry is is the nicest guy in the world and Scott Skiles isn't. So and so much of our our perception of coaches is guys who give good coach in the media is kind of how I, I've, I've, I've put it in the past. And, and that's kind of go show up on a studio show and say things You're like, yeah, that guy, I'd play for that guy. When that's really, that's a bit of salesmanship rather than anything else. I, mean, I could go on forever would... on this rant and I, you know, so sorry about that. Yeah. That's very doc rivers. That's why I thought up when you're saying that. Like I just, that's just how his whole, his whole Steve from day one. It's always been. Well, and I, so I, I would probably say that the, uh, the moving from, from Monty to Gentry is pro- off the top of my head. It's maybe the third biggest coaching improvement in the league, and you could argue that it's fourth because I you could argue that Donovan over Brooks is a bigger upgrade than Gentry to Williams. 
As, okay. <laughs> well, let's just that, that's just like it's hard to say right now with Donovan. Let's, let's yeah. let that one be. I think. It's a huge question mark. Uh, but we'll move on. Yeah. So the, the next question I have in there, and we'll start with we'll start with Seth. Is it might be easy, but you know maybe maybe have a contrarian. The best newcomer to his team in this division. Um, it's it's. I mean, you got to figure it's the the certainly the best player coming into this division is Aldridge. Yeah. Um, I whether you know I I think to go super nuance on this, it's like whether his net impact on the team is is the greatest is a, is a, I not is a somewhat open question, but still you have to acknowledge the fact that you know you're bringing a a many time all star in into a team for. Not quite free because they basically had to let Tiago Splitter go, but that's still um, one player's an all-star. The other player was a, a good, functional, but often hurt role player. And so obviously that's an upgrade. I mean, it's hard to argue with Marcus Aldridge. Like, what's, he's, I mean, he's Marcus Aldridge. He's a top 10, 15 player in a prime of his career, two-way player. You know, I mean, for all the stuff about the fit in the Spurs, like, he's a great player. So it's hard. I mean, he's clearly the best player team in the conference. I think Ty Lawson is almost as big. I mean, he's not Marcus. He's a really good player, too. Those two guys are way ahead of everybody else coming into this division. And a similarly easy but far more depressing question is, uh, what rookie, not that you think is going to be best, but what rookie are you most excited to see? I think, like, the only one who's going to play is Anderson, realistically. Like, I'm a huge Jarrell Martin guy. I think he could be a big piece for them in two or three years, but he won't play this season. And it's hard to see... I like Sam Decker a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. So even yeah, I mean Sam Decker's a good player too, but he's not gonna play this year either. So pretty much just Anderson is the only guy with the opportunity right now to get many minutes, I think. So Jonathan, you you like because I know that you like Mickey that Mickey, uh, yeah. So you like both of them as NBA players? Oh yeah. I thought LSU is one of the like those two guys could play anywhere in the country. They were a very poorly capitalized team, the rest of that roster. But those two guys I think are both favorite really NBA players. Does uh, does Capella count as a rookie, or since he got the cup of coffee last year, is he is he not? For selfish reasons, I want to count him because he would be my answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it depends on on uh, on what Houston does. Um, I haven't heard anything recently, so correct me if I'm wrong. But they they still aren't sure what's going on with with Harrell. I think Harrell's um, going to be on the team. Yeah, especially with Chuck, with Chuck Hayes, uh, with Chuck Hayes not working out, I think I think that opens up the spot for Harold. Yeah, he'll be in Rio Grande most of the year, obviously. Yeah, he'll be in Rio. I, I'm interested yeah. to see if he works though. And w- why I might be most excited, even though he's not going to play many minutes for Decker, is just because I am honestly not sure what his NBA position and role is. And Houston is a, a team that I think would be comfortable trying him out in different stuff. Like he would be fun as. As a stretch four, I, I don't think that. Yeah, sure. I mean, the Rockets have a million different guys who can play the power forward position for them. But if Decker gets some of that and it works, I'd be really f- excited to see it. The only other thing that I want to kind of have in the offseason review that we just haven't talked about is Patrick Beverly. And Patrick Beverly, for whatever reason, despite guys like Reggie Jackson signing really lucrative contracts, he signed a lower value contract, and you're like, you're kind of thinking at the time, oh well, you know, he's starting for a great team. You know, they, the Houston made the conference finals largely with without him because he got hurt, and then they bring in a guy to replace him too. I just feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I mean, that's Houston though. Houston's gonna they're gonna play the value. It is what it is with them. And he you got paid like million. Yeah, you you do, and and also the fact that his last year is non guaranteed is mind blowing. 
he's he's going to be making like five million non guaranteed, which is sort of not a not that ridiculous value because it's not you know you're not in a Brendan Haywood situation where you know he's not he's not going to make that money because you're going to keep him on the contract. But it just makes it so much more ridiculous. Yeah, that was a good use, I guess, because he was undrafted, right? So yeah. they got him as an undrafted free agent, and he was an RFA. That was one of those uh, those Daryl Morey contracts they paying off for them. Yeah, he was a guy who I kind of, you know, we 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 were kind of hoping to see Portland just like screw with everybody and and throw <laughs> you gonna match this, you gonna match this kind of contracts at everybody, and he was kind of. One of the guys you 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 sort of had hoped for, or the Sixers, that, yeah, or the yeah, but the you know that's I, I think you've taught you and Nate have talked about this before, kind of the uh, <laughs> that's a that's a gamble from both ends. What if they don't match? What if I'm in Philly? Oh yeah. no, <laughs> um, yeah, that it, it is it is a question mark with with the Sixers. Yeah, they're they're a team that I can't remember who I was talking about it with on the podcast. That if the, for those three days, if you were somebody who had just been on a good team. That you'd just be sweating bullets. That like, what if my team doesn't match and I'm in Philly for a year? Oh God! I think it was Ben Golliver. It's like that. That would be terrifying if you if being on a winning team was important to you. Yeah, but if you're getting like NS cancer money, you know, yeah. you'll be okay. <laughs> God, that, that uh, I, I don't. That's gonna. Well, I'm, I'm not. It's gonna take me a long time to get over that one. Yeah, I mean, there's that's like there's like the five levels of of that contract, right? That like, you know, uh, you know, but he he's double double, but he can't play defense. But what else were they going to spend the money on? But he can't play defense. But, yeah, but but uh, but how are you? But how do you tell Kevin Durant you let him walk away? And I think that that's that was kind of the 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 tiebreaker that almost is that you know for almost internal politics. If you already have a reputation for being sort of on the cheap side. How do you have? How do you go to your your best player and say, um, "All right, Kevin, we're we're not matching this contract, but it's not because we're cheap. It's because your teammate is really bad at basketball." And we gave okay up a first round pick for him. Yeah, and how that's 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 a that's like how do you even have that conversation? So I think that that um, you know, I don't think you'll ever get anyone to to you know say come around to that on the record or anything like that. But that had to have played a part in the like. We have to do this because we have to do this kind of thing. To you, does that same logic apply to Dion Waiters, or does that give them another year to <laughs> to, to tell Kevin Durant, "You are you really okay with us letting him go?" <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not on Dion Waiters' island, so um, I guess let's yeah. just let Katie play with Dion Waiters for a while, and then he'll have his own opinion, I'm sure. And then, and right. then they can, and then they, they can play it all together. Then he'll they'll endear themselves to Kevin Durant by trading Dion Waiters at the deadline. You're like, see, you don't have to deal with him anymore. But we'll move on. Uh, see, so the season preview part, uh, I like to start it with something basic. We'll start with Jonathan of how you would rank the teams one to five. I, most people have done it in terms of regular season success, but if you want to use another metric, you can. I'll just go with regular season. I'll throw a few curveballs, I guess, a little different. I'll say Houston one, San Antonio two, New Orleans three, Memphis four, Dallas five. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so the, I, you would probably think that mem- that uh, the Spurs not being one would be the one that I'm more intrigued by, but for me, it's New Orleans over Memphis. Well, I was just thinking with Memphis, they're they're older. They got a lot of guys with injuries. I'm thinking, and New Orleans maybe this year injuries work out for them because with most of these regular season predictions, it's all about injuries more often than not. Like who's going to stay healthy all year long? 
who's going to, if you look at like, give me list injuries for the course of the season, I can look at pretty easily. Looking, I do look back on it. So then I'm thinking with Memphis, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, like with Zebo and Allen getting a little older, maybe they'll climb a little bit more. Then the world, I'm thinking Anthony Davis, he'll just know no even more this year. Maybe the NAP of the league. Give him in the middle of the Western Conference area, possibly. I don't know. I, I guess I want to ask you if you if you're you know putting the the Rockets over the Spurs, if you would if you would carry that into the playoffs. If you think you know which team is more likely to win a title, do you think Houston's more likely to win a title than San Antonio, or do you think that that Houston, for various reasons, is is and I don't necessarily disagree with this, by the way. Is is better situated to win a lot of regular season games than San Antonio is. Uh, well, I think might... with the second part with Houston, I feel like they have more continuity right now, and with all the depth they have and the youth they have in their roster, I think for regular season they'll be winning a lot of games. A lot they'll be able to run things off the floor a lot of times. And I think that'll push them on the top a little bit in the West. I think I think that'll be. I have them really. I think it's really a top four in the West. I'm really high on Houston. I think they're right there with Golden State, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio. I mean, gun to my head over the Spurs, I don't know, but I feel like they're right there. Like, there's a very, very tiny difference between them and those other three teams. It's But sure, why not? Um, I'll say yes. You, I noticed you didn't have the Clippers there. Is that- yeah, I still, I'm not sure if they have enough wings, though. I feel like okay. without... Like, wings who play defense and shoot threes. I mean, what, does Paul Pierce was starting three, three, he's, what, 38? Yeah. I mean, Reddick's decent. Lance, it's not shooting. I like Lance, but he's a wild card, obviously. Yeah. Jamal's not playing any defense either. They're, just, a, I don't team, they're a team that could have some crazy age-related regression like that. That just They had, had a lot of guys, other than Lance, who had who had good seasons last year that could if if they have if they lose a step physically like not only Paul Pierce but I think there's a possibility with Chris Paul like I still think the Clippers are in that group because I'm not going to write off any of those guys until they do it but the Clipper I could totally see the Clippers being a little bit disappointing this year because when I look at it, like if they had to play the Thunder in a series if they put Pierce on Durant like I mean Matt Barnes was big for them with that he was a their one three and D guy and Pierce is more of a four these days really. He just—I mean—he can't do that anymore. Guard Kevin Durant for any amount of time. I, you know, the 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 biggest worry would be—I almost think the best matchup, and you, but almost don't want to do this because of foul problems, would be to put Griffin on him. But uh, um, well, that, considering how Blake plays when he's in foul trouble, that's that's always been a yeah. concern with him. That, that would, it would certainly be be worthwhile watching. Uh, I would yeah. love to watch that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That'd be really fun to watch. So how would you how would you put these guys one to five, Seth? You know, I think that I you know Houston, San Antonio. Um, I feel like regular season wins. Who cares between <laughs> the two of them? Um, I, I I lean towards what what uh, what Jonathan was saying about Houston being slightly better equipped to you know kind of have some have a gaudy regular season record, and especially if Pop is going to pop some this year with some of the the older guys. Maybe they that cost them a win or two. I think that, I still think Memphis is going to be better than New Orleans. I think that New Orleans. All right, it's all about injuries. New Orleans has a lot of guys who get injured. Everyone in their top six, seven, is has a history of of getting nicked up. So, and they also are a team that if if you know either Holiday or Davis misses game misses time, that's that's kind of a huge hit for them. 
whereas Memphis has kind of shown they can weather injuries to basically anybody but Gasol. So that's I, I think that Memphis is still better. I think Memphis is probably, if, if we're doing the conference, I think we agree on who the top five teams are in some order. Memphis six, and then New Orleans probably the next step down, and then eighth. Who knows? Yeah, and wh- while I see there, I, I see a path that New Orleans is better than Memphis. I just don't think it's more likely than not. And right. it's it's close. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs to a point with with teams like that. I like both of them quite a bit. But you're, I, I think Seth brings up a great point with injuries with them. I mean, I, it always concerns me a little bit when you have young guys that get hurt all the time because you know that they're that generally. And Ryan Anderson hasn't shown that he can cut that he's even close to all the way back from all of his stuff. So. He would be if you could give say plop in a hundred percent Ryan Anderson on this team. I think that would be a really nice thing for him to have. But I can't feel comfortable saying that's going to happen at all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like what they had to pay the the, the Sixers pay the Pelicans three million bucks for Holly's injuries. Yeah, like, that's not a great sign right there. <laughs> that's a one of those things that I, I'm wondering how that's going to turn out. Just because I mean, granted that was a terrible trade for New Orleans in the first place, but. They, if if there was something like structural that has kind of helped, you know, made made some of this more egregious. That that totally changes the arc of this Pelican team, especially considering they've never had a a backup that could stretch into a starter role. Like Norris Cole, I'm not high on Norris Cole anyway, but you 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 can't run whatever whatever we want to talk about as a viewable Alvin Gentry offense. I don't think Norris Cole can run that. I, you I know, feel like though with New Orleans, everyone always brings up the holiday for New Orleans Noel trade. But really, to me, it's the Austin Rivers pick. If they had picked like Terrence Jones in that pick, man, it'd be a nice team right now, right? Like, oh, that was not necessarily going to kill them down the road. Yeah, that was not. That was definitely not a strength. I mean, what, so one crazy stat that I've thrown out, I've, I threw, threw out there once with the with them is depending on how their non roster invitees work out. It is entirely possible that they will roll out an entire team where everybody has agreed to their second contract, which means they'll have Davis, who will still be on a rookie deal. But other than that, they'll have nobody at the beginning of their NBA career. And that's crazy for a team that is still considered young. They're just in this bizarre hodgepodge of talent. You know what? It's it's sad to say, and it's they're making a lot of the same mistakes Cleveland did the first time around with LeBron. I you know one point on on New Orleans is that I think that you know I'm I'm kind of uh, uh, you know I don't think he's a great player but I think that uh, because of kind of some of his aesthetics are aren't great that I think Tyreek Evans is a a better player than is is he's commonly given credit for so you know they'll if if Holiday misses sometimes they can uh, it won't always be pretty but spread pick and roll with Evans and Davis is a good offense. Like you put a, you put two shooters around that, that's you you'll get buckets with, with that offense, and it's not always going to be pretty because a lot of the a lot of the plays you're making are going to be Evans throwing up a, a a shot at the rim that someone tip dunks, but it's still like mean, he, he can get to the rim going right because he's always going right, but he still gets there every time anyway. So you know that he he he's not a nobody if he ends up having to do point guard things and maybe Gentry will realize that all right he's basically playing point guard for us so we don't need Norris Cole on the floor I mean I would take Evans and Holiday to be one of those LeBron Cavs teams from like the early the first era of those teams like those are two really good NBA players 
So, I mean, I feel like I can see where you're coming from. That is a little unfair a little bit to say that with the LeBron thing. Well, with those LeBron teams, they had they were really good defensively. They were they were talented teams. What what's hard with them is that their the year they made the finals was not one of their best teams. Their best teams were the ones that lost to Orlando and lost to the Celtics, and you know guys like Verizal and all that. But yeah, I, I think that I think there's something to be said about that. Also, with the idea of that they were doing it with the best intentions. You know, this isn't a situation where. They were being cheap or they were doing anything else. They were just being a little bit misguided and they were going aggressively. They went, you know, we want that guy. We're going to give up something to make it happen. You know, like how they traded. They traded Grievous Vasquez to get Tyreek Evans on a deal that Sacramento was never going to match. And, you know, while Grievous Vasquez is not the cure-all of anything, he, he though he, they, they, though the Raptors did just get a first-round pick for him for some reason, they, uh, the, like, that's the type of thing you, you can't give away a guy when your depth when your team is going to have major depth issues and so like, that's that's something I think about with them and that's uh, something similar to what the Cavs had to do where they you know they were committed and they wanted somebody so they gave up things to do it and some of them were a little bit older some of them were in perfect fits but they thought you know we need to get better right now and then they just weren't good enough and then you get in a situation where you actually are one piece away and you have nothing left to to throw at that piece yeah. Well, I, I guess, though, with the cap going up, like, this is a team that's going to Terrence Jones really hard, too. They'll have the yeah. money to do something like that, won't they, this offseason? They, they could, yeah. I, I got frustrated that they're spending, so not for this year, that, you know, they can spend money for this year. They weren't going to have cap flexibility. But next year, Asha Cunningham and Ajinsa and G, I think, they could buy to make about $20 million next year. And that, like, if basically to me, while you're, you have no guarantees – I think that if you're if you're a young talented player, and you say, "Hey, you can go play with Anthony Davis and live in New Orleans for a couple of years," I think that's a pretty good sales pitch. Go. Yeah, I mean that could work from this offseason though. That's really this cap could save their bacon. This salary cap going up, it, like they could be they should be real players. Change this offseason. It could, but the, but the way that they get cap space is by basically giving up Gordon and Anderson, which is justifiable, especially if they can you know get somebody good with that, but. You're replacing capable rotation players. The other hope for them, which is a real possibility, is that if they got somebody who was really good, who was interested in going there, that they could move some of their existing contracts to clear a little bit of space. Because, well, I don't love the money that they gave to Agenza. Well, Agenza isn't all right, but, you know, like the money that they gave to Omer. If they pop a power forward or a center that's really good, I think that there will be somebody that that would take him, either with a small asset or even maybe give up something because so many teams are going to have kind of hilarious money to spend. Well, I, you know, I, I, I actually disagree with you here. You know, the the Ashik contract looks weird, although the 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 reported numbers aren't as bad since it's you know the the partial guarantee on the last two years makes it a kind of a, a, ma- a much more manageable actual guaranteed number. I I feel like you know locking up a guy who, if everything goes right, is your ten minute game backup center. Um, for multiple for for you know multiple years guaranteed. I don't get that for when especially when your best player you think you want to try to transition to the five more because that's the way the league is going. I like the the I, I at least understood the Ashik contract. I didn't like who who was who was offering years to 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 Ajinsa? That that was a more like that was that was on on a, of a piece with the Aaron Baines. I think Baines is a better player contract for me as far as kind of a head scratcher 
So, but yeah, that's... And, and the point that that gets to is that they, while it wasn't definite, they could have had the potential to use their money next summer in a, in a more positive way. And if they had signed a Jinsu to a one-year deal, what's the worst that happens? You lose him, and he goes somewhere else next summer, and you get you probably can get somebody better than him. So you have to sign. You have to search for a, a serviceable backup center um, next summer. Like, yeah, that, that's that that's that's not a very bad worst case scenario, right? Especially when you when you get to play with Anthony Davis and all that, right? Who uh, should? Yeah, I would have liked Kyle Quinn on this team. I, oh, I that like, would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. See, there we go. Yeah, and and they got him for nothing. You know, to a very similar contract, they gave up like some sort of distant second round pick. The next question I'll go start with Seth is: How many teams in this division make the playoffs? Four and a half. You think Dallas has a, a you? You're higher on Dallas than I am. I just that that eighth spot in the West is is you know, and things could fall apart for New Orleans too. But um. But that 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 eighth spot in the West is you know who knows, uh, it's it's you know I think we can rule out the Lakers, Kings, Blazers, uh, uh, Wolves, probably Nuggets. Those those five. Teams I want to see not... the Kings, like probably so, but I want to believe in the Kings a little bit. <laughs> I want to give them hope right now. Their okay. ce- their ceiling is making the playoffs, but I wouldn't expect it. I mean, yeah, I think I think Denver's better than the Kings. Let me put it that way. I hope so. Denver has a lot of talent. I like them a lot. I mean, that that could just be my my um, my my smittenness with uh, with Moutier that 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 causes me to say that. Well, but. their roster also makes sense with each other, which the Kings roster does not. Yes. In any event, so that means it's gonna it's you know you're talking Phoenix, Dallas, Utah. Who else am I forgetting for that 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 eight that eight spot? You you pick you pick among those teams that that, that who's. Who it's going to be? Yeah, and if one of and if somebody, let's say Memphis or whoever, falls off due to injury, then you know Dallas is in that mix too. That's why I think it's four, is because I think that if if for whatever reason an additional spot opens up, it's probably going to be at the expense of one of these other teams. Well, granted, I think the Rockets and Spurs are making the playoffs basically no matter what, unless everything falls apart. But you know, maybe Memphis or New Orleans they have a bad stretch, and Dallas is one of the teams they can get up. What about you, John? Yeah, I mean, I think four is probably fair. I think the Mavs are waiting for, like, an OKC-type season for somebody else. I appreciate the Mavs' optimism, but I really feel like it's Javal McGee is the most important player on this team right now. Because he's the only guy who can only replace Tyson Chandler. I'm still upset about that. Like, they let him, they let him go twice, and each time it just crushed me inside a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that Dallas has a chance to make the playoffs because I'm especially high on the Mavericks. It's more just that, that like... You hate the Jazz, right? You want to admit that to no, all I don't, the I don't, people I don't, I don't hate the Jazz. I just, you know, are they ready? Are they going to score enough to win enough games in the West? To, without a point guard. Without, yeah. with Or, you know, are they or are they going to, is is the, is the lineup playing, you know, Hayward, Hood, and Burks on, on the perimeter? Is that going to have enough ball handling and, and creation to, to, you know, get them by? Or are they going to have to play, you know, Trey Burke, or or you know, hope that that Neto is is uh, Neto Nito. How am I Neto, saying that? It's Neto. Neto? Um, okay. How, how much? How much uh, do we have to pay to have a have a time where the Spurs play this play the Jazz and they both run lineups without traditional point guards for a little bit? That would just be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be real fun. Even though that I kind like of Hayley negates Hayley the value of each team doing it. But and and then Phoenix, like, what's what what's going on there? Like, 
you know, their I mean, they, guy who might be their best player might not be on their team by the start of the season. And I don't think I don't think Marquise Morris is their best player. I think it's probably Bledsoe, but still, like one of their one of their key pieces is saying he's going to be traded, and and they, it has not after you know the, the the kind of the magical season two years ago. It has not been sweetness and light there. So you know, where 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 do they end up? Or do you want to count on them? That's the, you know, it's it's the, the door is open for Dallas just through kind of uh, kind of co- uh, corporate knowledge and you know Carlisle and Nowitzki's uh, knowing how to how to just you know massage their way through a season to forty six wins and, and the eighth seed. Every everybody's yeah. just keeping the door open for the Lakers. You know it's true. Oh, come on. <laughs> the thing with the Mavs, too, though, is it's, it's, I always say it's injuries. Like, Darren Williams, if he can stay healthy. Matthews, obviously. Parsons coming off knee surgery. Dirk's 38. They've got a great training staff, but that's going to be, I think, the number one concern. It's just, can he, all these old guys, can these guys stay healthy? And almost none of them have logical replacements on the roster. It's not like, you know, if Dirk, Dirk is is irreplaceable just because he's Dirk, but... Chandler Parsons goes out. Not only do you have probably have Anderson going into the starting lineup, who gets his minutes? You know, who who steps into that second place role? You know, they're gonna they they have a lot of you know. I have faith in Carlisle, but I don't know how they react to basically any trauma. They might even make some signings or something. Yeah, I'm looking at even though you're, they already right, have like, like 35 guys on roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, most a lot of them on those Bodili contracts, like five guys on those, so that don't be a too big a deal. Oh yeah, the, but but that's the one of my big beefs, and I read about this for Sport News. Is like if you're under the cap, you should just, which I don't think technically the Mavs are anymore. You should be able to have as many guys on roster as you want because why not? Well, they can. They can invite twenty to to uh, to, to I think camp. They invite twenty. I think they got a yeah. full twenty man thing going. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that during the season, if you want to, you know, if you're the Sixers and you're just going to, you know, be dancing at the floor, you should be able to have, you, can, you should only be able to have 13 or 14 active, you know, whatever the active number is for that given season. But if you want to have 25 guys on roster, why should anybody stop them? You, okay, do, do you realize how many EuroLeague players Sam Hinkie just signed to 2 plus 1 plus 1 contracts? Yes, and that's why I want it. Oh. Hey, Dave's creating jobs as we speak. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but they're 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 bad jobs because I have to work three of them. Just okay. Anyway, sorry. It's, <laughs> a politics Twitter. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they're pretty lucrative jobs compared. But uh, well, yeah, comparatively. But but on NBA standard, they're they're bad jobs. Um, well, and and they're they're in rough working conditions considering it's the exactly sectors. hazard pay, and you know it's it's you know, <laughs> no, no job security and and you know it's it's the Uber driver of the NBA is is. <laughs> But, you know what it is? It's probably owners still want to do it. I'm sure there's owners like, you know what, I want to sign 15 contracts no more. That's probably really what it comes down to. Yeah, like, I, don't I, want I, I think that's what it is, too. To. And it would create, uh, well, I think it would be relatively easy to administer because basically you just say if a team goes over the cap, they just have to get down to 15. But, yeah, it's doing that. But the last question, of obviously we can talk about other things, though. Players that at any level, you know, it could be lower level or high, that players that you think will break into a different level of either quality of play or fame, whatever you find more interesting. In this division? Yes. Okay. Yeah, if, you want to go outside the division, my boy. if you want to go outside the division, I'm not going to stop. No, it's just, this division's fine. I'm going to shout out my boy Dwight Powell on the Mavs. Sure. I feel like that's my sleeper guy. I love his game. 
I feel like he'll play a lot of minutes this year. He might not right away. He's got a nice, well-rounded game. He could shoot, pretty athletic, can't play much defense, but that's okay. I think if Dirk ever goes down for a while, Dwight's going to play a lot of minutes. And he'll do better people might think they would, considering his pedigree coming out of the league. But I really, I really liked him a lot in Dallas this last year, and I feel like he's going to be a pretty good player in the NBA. But I guess but see, let's see Kyle Anderson. Let's see slow-mo go this year. That's the other obvious one. You feel it? I wonder how much he'll play with West and BL at the four and the five, whether he'll be just be a three for them or be a four. But that's the guy, I think, who could have a pretty big season for San Antonio if the right things go their way. I think with Houston, Jones and Mata Yunus, how that goes, that'll be really interesting to watch those two guys kind of fight, fight for a contract, fight for minutes, and which one of them emerges as kind of the main guy there. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, are we asking about in, inside or, or outsider kind of uh, level of, of, of fame? Whatever makes you happy, Seth. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm obviously charter member of, of I'm not at all the charter member, but I'm 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 a member of good standing of the you know, Mike Conley is massively underrated and is gonna be probably remembered as the best player of this generation to never make an all star team. Because... He better make it this year. I'm gonna be so mad. I mean, the way he ripped up load the playoffs, that's gotta do him some credit, man. He yeah. really before he got injured, he was just demolishing Dame. But look at the people he's got to beat. I mean, he's got to beat out the the Kobe Bryant voters and. Oh, he's and, got, he he has to hope that Kobe Bryant's hurt. Yeah, and and Lillard and Paul and Curry and Harden and you were. At I think Dane will be out this year because of Portland's record. They'll they'll be out of the next. He's time. gonna average like twenty eight points a game. So, but you you might be right. But he, but, but even if Lillard's even if Lillard's out of it, I mean, there there's just a crazy yeah. amount of talent, and it's. You know, you think about somebody like Westbrook. Like Westbrook, you know, if he's healthy, he has right. to be. Yeah, he's the, the, be n- the number of non-negotiables is also part of the reason why they shouldn't have the conference format in the All-Star game. But the number of non-negotiable guards in the West is ridiculous, and Kobe's going to get a spot anyway. So, well, how many? Wait, it's Russ, Chris Paul, and Steph, right? Are the non-negotiable guards? And Harden, Harden. Oh, and Harden, of course. Yeah, and, that's four. That leaves two slots left for yeah. the two other guards. And Hart and. Kobe, we have to assume he gets one. Yeah, his last year, kind of what a golden. So then he's competing. He's competing with that sixth spot. I guess it would be Willard, Clay Thompson. Oh, Clay Thompson. Yeah, it could be. Clay. Yeah, and and, it, and you know, obviously Wiggins is a is a forward, and it's too early. But maybe you know, if he's taking a wing spot from somebody, then um, and and but I know. think they'll put him as a forward. I hope. Yeah. But still, we're we're talking about like the the roster spots where position doesn't necessarily matter as, as much because it's not like we have to pick like you know five you know five guards and yeah and, that's true because these guys aren't starters yeah but and the other I mean another guy who he's going to be battling for a probably a reserve spot for who I don't think that people recognize how great a player he is is Kawhi even though he's like one Finals MVP. Uh, was a deserving defensive player of the year winner last year and also a really good offensive player and arguably I'm I you know I'm not big on the 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 top x player thing but still are like a top 10ish player in the league possibly this year and whether or not he gets recognized as such uh he might start to be uh, I can only hope just because he's ridiculously good and um I think this might be the year if he can if he if he doesn't you know get hurt for for a couple months like he did last year 
this will be the year when people start to really realize that, like, all right, all right, you've got Tim Duncan, who's kind of aged out, and LaMarcus Aldridge, who's really good, but the best player on the Spurs is is this guy. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think he would have made it last year if he got injured, probably. Yeah. You would assume. The other two guys that I want to add that are a lower tier than those are Quincy Pondexter and Patty Mills. I think both of them will have be asked to do more and will do well in it. And because those teams will both be playoff teams, I think people will gain a greater appreciation for their talent. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's pretty funny now Memphis losing Pondexter because he's pretty much the, the player they need, looking back on it. Yeah, and like, they gave was, him away. That was a low-key, really bad trade for them. Yeah. It really was just Boston giving away booby prizes last year with Rondo and Jeff Green. Just <laughs> luring people in, man. That was real <laughs> sneaky of them. Yeah, the, the, mysteriously, after they traded their most famous players, they got a lot better. Well, it's strange, how, <laughs> strange how that happens sometimes. And yeah, well, also, was... I, I feel like this is a really strange thing to say considering he's playing in a small market again. But... I, I I feel like there are going to be people who have already forgotten that David West is good, and I think he'll be worse this year than he's been in the past. But that pelt, that Pacers team was just so weird last year that I think people have forgotten that you know like he and Hibbert were quite good when they were you know w- when they had their full complement. I mean, two years ago this was a Pacers team that was dangerous. Well, the thing with West is like does Kawhi play any four this year? And if he does, there's not a ton of minutes left. If with the, once you have Duncan, Dio, and Aldridge, then quiet before. That does when you play all your guys twenty minutes a game. I suppose that's true, and I know <laughs> Duncan will play what fifty-five games this year. Yeah, you know, and sixty games. Yeah. Out. yeah. All all those minutes go to Jonathan Simmons, man. <laughs> I like him a lot, actually. But yeah, it, and, and they have a lot of guys. The Spurs guys like Marjanovic and, and Bonner, who. I don't think they're going to be playing a big role, so I think that when you tone the starters down, there are only a few guys that are kind of going to sponge up those minutes. And West is one, Kyle Anderson is one, whoever the third point guard, presumably McCallum, maybe Jimmer, oh, God, that'd be amazing. Jimmer! Would be one of those guys. Oh, I kind of, for a second there, I thought about saying Jimmer is my breakout candidate and just having the whole state of Utah love me for not only defending their honor against... Seth, but for for picking Jimmer. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not you're not sold on you're not sold on a team that has some big question marks. Yeah, I you know, Jimmer is uh, no. I'm, I'm oh what I, I'm gonna if, if someone's listened this far, I'll I'll give them the hot the hot basketball take. <laughs> Jimmer is the basketball Tebow. Basketball Tebow, that's not too yeah. bad. He didn't make the roster. I'm looking at they have what 16 guys are now under contract. I don't know the or... the guy that they just signed. I believe he's a Japanese player. Uh, I I don't know what his contract circumstance is, but I think they have fourteen guaranteed, and then they have Reggie and Jimmer as yeah Reggie Williams. Re- Reggie Williams, who somehow this, as a CBA nerd, I have to mention this because I somehow have not mentioned this on any podcast. They have him on a non guaranteed contract, and everybody talks about how they cleared all this space, you know, to go after Lamarck Aldridge. Somehow he didn't get cut. Like, they had to clear the decks. They couldn't even sign their own first-round pick. But somehow, Reggie Williams stays on this team. And I think they're going to cut him before the season. It's crazy. I don't. He's like he's like the off-season Highlander with this team. Well, but they didn't they didn't is did would cutting him really save save them that much over what his, what the roster hold would be or like six hundred thousand? Okay. That's you know. But apparently, they I think they were probably ready to cut him. But then when the cap came in higher, they went, "Oh, sorry, right. we don't have to." Right. But and and uh, there, I mean, 
they've got they've still got a couple of guys stashed overseas, so that that's uh Of course they uh, do. Yeah, because Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not really that in love with the guys that they have overseas, but of course, in like two, three years, they'll be really good because that's just you know, what happens. John Charles looked like looked intriguing. He looked kind of in in the best way. He looked kind of uh, Al Farouk Amino-ish at summer league, kind of the Dallas version of Amino. By uh, the way, they're, are, they're... Are, are you going to miss him, Jonathan? Aminu, yeah. I was honestly, I was hoping they would just sign him and Tyson. I was like, let's just sign these guys, bring them back this year. He'd been huge for the Mavs this season. Would have been better than what they got. Yep. Bird, it was a bird in hand versus two in the bush, man. Yeah. The Mavs uh, never learn. Is there anything else you guys like to talk about? No, I don't know. Um, just have either of you guys watched a lot of Serbia in the in the EuroLeague? Uh, can you tell me anything about uh, Bielica? He's uh, awesome. He is he's awesome. awesome. He, okay. So when I've been watching him, he looks to me like more of a three than a four. Uh, which surprised me a little bit. I like him. I, when I watched him in Europe, I liked him more as a small ball four, but with his handle and everything, I, I think that he's for the NBA game at least right now. He's six ten, right? Yeah, uh, he's. I think he's like six eight. Uh, okay, I, I could eight. be wrong though. Um, but I think that he. But also just in terms of rebounding and everything else. But he's a really talented player, and his handle for a guy his size, whatever his size happens to be, is very good, and his sense of. You know, like where defenders are in the court, he's a really he's going to be a really good player. Like he, to me, pe- people talk about you know the that the, the oh, Wolves man. have so much talent. I think he's one of the better players on their team right now. I, I, he's listed at six ten two thirty five. Holy crap! So if he's more of a three than a four. That's really saying something. If he, I if he's, he's six ten. Wow! If he's six ten, then he could be a real stretch for you. Maybe it's just because that Serbian team has so many randomly tall guys that I just think of him as shorter. Yeah, draft us him at 6'10", too. I mean, I don't know. I haven't even watched him play that much. But that's saying if he's 6'10", he can play like a three. He'll be, he'll be big for them. And considering they already have a, a stretch five on their roster, that, oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm really – I mean, the Wolves are still going to be bad next year, but they'll they'll be good in a couple of years. They're, they're the number one league pass team, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but as long as Flip doesn't overly flip this team. Well, no, because you, if you, especially if you consider the number of games, and they have uh, the best, you know, the best local local crew, or one of the one of the two or three best local broadcast crew. Oh, that's true too. That they're they're, they're I mean, if you're shout out to Dave Benz. What's that? Shout out to Dave Benz. Yeah, who I uh, I I played some blackjack with the last night at summer league. A nice guy. He he said he'd been working out with. Shabazz's trainer, and he looked it. I didn't even recognize him because he was just jacked. So Bielitz is pretty close in height to Kuzmich. That's terrifying. <laughs> Kuzmich is what seven foot, seven foot yeah, one. So, so it, I, I'm looking at the Euroleague rosters. Bielitsa is two point oh nine meters, and Kuzmich is two point one three. So that's pretty close. How did they get him? It was a, it was he was a pick of the Wizards, right? I, I think they drafted him, actually. No, the Wizards drafted him. Oh, God. What was, the, what was the trade for him? Was it cash considerations along, for, just like with Jordan Clarkson? Oh, jeez, really? I, I, oh. I, I don't know I'm asking. I'm making, I'm making a Jordan Clarkson joke. I don't know. Oh, so apparently apparently people were trying to trade for Bielitsa before the, before the, uh, the Wolves signed him this summer. I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Because, like, man, he'd be part for the Wizards. That's really yeah. good that they drafted him. Well, he was drafted like, That's in exactly the player they need. Okay. Oh, so he was traded in Minnesota on draft. Okay. 
so no, he was he was always functionally he was always a, okay. a Timberwolf because he was. Wow, this is this trade is going to bring back some names. I'm going to so this is the yeah. trade. The <laughs> yeah. Washington acquired the rights to 23rd pick Trevor Booker and 56th pick Hamadi Njai for 30th pick Lazar Hayward and Bielitsa. Wow. Oh man, there's some names for you right there. Wow. Yeah. I'll give you the next trade because the trade that happened with the pick immediately after that is also a really fun blast from the past. Name name one. So New Jersey acquired Damian James from the Hawks for Jordan Crawford oh and the newly relevant Tibor Place. <laughs> Man, Tibor's all over the place. Jeez. <laughs> Tibor, yeah, he got traded a couple of times. I think I think his rights got yeah. He so oh the Hawks sold his rights to the Thunder, who then traded him to the Jazz. And now he's on the Jazz. There you go. Yeah. The more you know. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it was fun, man. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Seth and Jonathan for taking the time to come on. You can read Seth Partnow at Nylon Calculus and numerous other excellent basketball sites. You can follow him on Twitter at S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. And you can read Jonathan Charks at Real GM The Cauldron and Pattern of Basketball, which I believe is his blog. You can also follow him on Twitter at Jonathan Charks, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S. Thank you so much for listening. This is the 5th of 6th. The Pacific one will come up in the next couple of weeks. I'm thinking right now I'm going to have some non-division guests and go a little bit more in that direction. I love doing that. And then do the Pacific a little bit closer to the start of the season. And there, I have uh, I don't know exactly who's going to be on that one, but it'll be fun. For other kind of plugs, of course, writing new material for the Sporting News all the time. The CBA Encyclopedia for Real GM is going strong. And the Dunked On Basketball Podcast, Nate and I just released our Western Conference offseason grades, having done the Eastern Conference a week ago. If you like this podcast or that one, we encourage you to subscribe. And also, if you leave a review on iTunes, hopefully a positive one, that definitely helps us. And as we are in the process of doing advertising for both podcasts, it it helps us because it it gives them something to tie to and a reason to expect that people will keep coming back. So if you have any feedback, you can reach out to me. The best way is probably on Twitter, at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. You can also email daniel.larue at realgm.com. Or you can uh, check out my Facebook page, which is... Danny LaRue NBA. It's also linked to my Twitter handle. You can send comments anywhere. I read them. I respond to as many as I can, but I definitely read them all. I promise you that. So thank you so much for taking the time. Take care and make it a great day. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love a sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I 
even had a gift. 